Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Joe Biden says America is back. The 117-year-old president-elect made the announcement while on his back in a hospital bed where he's recovering after breaking his foot while playing with Rover, a stuffed unicorn who can get awfully darn frisky and has caused Biden to fall down several times, even though he was in a corner all the way across the room. Biden says he plans to engineer the comeback of whatever he was talking about by completely reversing the policies of his predecessor, George, you know the thing. For instance, President Thing believed in America first. Biden says... (laughs) He will instead promote America Eighth, in which he deals with the nation's problems only after tending to those of Liechtenstein, Kazakhstan, Lesotho, Bhutan, Andorra, the Grenadines, and Kansas. Likewise, Biden plans to change Operation Warp Speed to Operation Biden My Time, in which vaccines to deal with the pandemic will be produced in the relaxed, nice and easy atmosphere of a friendly checker game on a front porch in the middle of August, and will be handed out one by one by gentle old codgers in baggy pants and comfortable shoes after a friendly conversation and perhaps a cup of tea, assuming the recipient has not already died by the time all that's over. What's more, Biden plans to completely dial back the Abraham Accords, which have made great strides toward bringing peace to the Middle East, and will instead implement the Obama Accords, in which ambassadors from Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates meet in a locked room with the Iranian Revolutionary Guard, and whoever comes out alive gets to set Syria on fire while bombing Israel off the map. Finally, Biden says he plans to reverse the whatchamacallit in order to lead whatever country he's in in a new direction to bring about something that he sure would be great if he could just remember what it was. Biden says he hopes this program will finally inspire unity and friendship between the Nazis on the other side and whatever idiots voted for him. (laughs) Trigger warning. I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. Hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing. Hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray! It makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray! Oh, hooray, hurrah! All right, we're back. It's mailbag day. It is mailbag day. All your problems will be solved. <laughs> what, what what she said, uh, well, we got a lot of great, we actually have a lot of great questions today, some of them about the election, so I'll be answering those in case we still have any listeners left. <laughs> if there's anybody I haven't alienated yet, I'll get to you. Don't, just be patient. You know, I know you're, you want to be alienated, but please just be patient. Also, uh, go on YouTube uh, if there are any subscribers left there. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're over 200,000 subscribers. We're trying to get to, get to we're trying to get to six, so please, <laughs> sorry, sorry, please, please subscribe, ring the bell, and I will visit you, your house uh, and, and make a fool of myself there instead of doing it here, Come on, <laughs> instead of doing it on the air. Leave a comment, and we will read the comment on the air if it is at this level. It has to be at this level of comprehensibility uh, and intelligence, and we will read it on the air. Today, we have one from the 11th Doctor. <laughs> sorry. 
<laughs> I cracked myself up. Uh, the 11th doctor who says we must not mock Ilhan Omar. She's still mourning the death of the Iranian scientist and in the midst of divorcing her brother. So that, that is tough for Ilhan Omar. All right. Now I'm going to calm down and be a professional. Uh, a professional what? I don't know. Possibly a cobbler, but we'll see. Yesterday, I was talking about the leftist upper class's uh, colonization of manners uh, to enforce their beliefs, how they made it impolite to speak the truth about, say, the fact that Ellen Page is still a lesbian girl, even after she says she's really a man or whatever she says. The reason this is important is because manners, real manners, actually matter in the way we treat each other and the way people react to us. An election is a good time to take stock of who we are and what has to be done to win. As apex predator cocaine Mitch McConnell pointed out, winners make policy, losers go home. As the smoke of this election slowly clears, one thing is becoming evident. This was a bloodbath for the Democrats. It's not just the House seats they were supposed to win but didn't. It's not just the House seats they were, weren't supposed to lose but did. It's also state legislatures, which are a big deal and where Republicans made huge gains and held onto house, houses in states where Democrats spent a fortune, hundreds of millions of Bloomberg and George Soros dollars trying to get turnovers, and they lost. Republicans now control 31 of the governments of the 50 states. This is the reverse of what happened during Barack Obama's administration. In 2009, Democrats controlled both chambers of 27 state legislatures. Eight years later, they only held 13 states. That's what Obama did to the state's legislatures. Obama took office with a 60-seat majority in the Senate and 257-seat majority in the House. In the end, Republicans had the majority in both the House and the Senate. The lesson here is simple, and it's also hard to accept. Americans liked Obama but they loathed his policies. They liked Trump's policies, but too many of them disliked Trump. Now, in a minute, I'm going to talk about why those of us who voted for Trump didn't mind his manners, but I think it's worth talking about why those who didn't like his manners didn't like them. We conservatives tell harsh truths. The West is better than other civilizations. There's self-defeating dysfunction in many black communities. There's a problem with violence in Islam. Women and men are not the same and Ellen Page is not a man. These are tough realities. Some delicate folks can't handle them. The left uses that, the fact that they can't handle them, to sell big government through make-believe diversity. They say, look, here's a black, female, transgender, gay person seizing more government power. Isn't that special? And oh, that small government person must be a white supremacist, sexist, transphobic, since he doesn't like my black, female, transgender seizing power. The press echoes this crap, and it drives us crazy. It makes us angry. We start telling our harsh truths harshly, and we get kicked out of office, not for what we're saying, but for being loudmouth jerks. It seems shallow, and it is unfair, but it's also basic. No one likes people who behave badly, even when they're right. Manners, real manners, matter. Obama was a likable incompetent with bad ideas. Trump did a great job, but he did not know how to behave. We should not back down one inch from the harsh truth but a little soft talk about it could go a long way. Conservatives hate hearing this. Conservatives are the daddy. They always used to say this. Republicans are the daddy party. Democrats are the mommy party. But there are some things you learn from mommy, okay? Some things, if you've been married from a long, for a long time, like 20, 30 minutes, you have heard your, and you're a guy, you have heard your wife say to you, it's not what you're saying, it's the way you say it. And you go, who cares how I say it? I'm telling you the truth, but it's the way you say it. This is something that affects people. 
Now, uh, Jason Riley uh, in the Wall Street Journal wrote a review of a book today called Trump's Democrats by Stephanie Moravchik and John Shields. And here's what these two researchers said. They were doing research into why Democrats voted for Donald Trump. And here's what these researchers said, right? We are struck by the fact that the dominant explanations of Trump's appeal all have one thing in common. They all assume that something must be seriously wrong with Trump's enthusiasts. Trump won, we are told, either because of racial prejudices or economic distress or various diseases of social despair, drug abuse, family breakdown, and suicide. Thus, in these accounts, Trump voters are driven by resentment or anger or desperation. How else could one cast a vote for Trump? Though it is never stated explicitly, such views rest on the assumption that any well-adjusted, healthy, flourishing citizen would reject Trump. So what these people did is they went out into the field and they asked, actually asked real human beings why they voted for Trump. And of course, they found out that they weren't sick, hateful, any of those things. And here's what Jason Riley reports. They said, Mr. Trump recalled a kind of old school machine Democrat. He was a non-ideological, transactional Paul who cut deals to take care of his own and demanded loyalty in return. He was a relentless counterpuncher who equated magnanimity with weakness and never backed down. The president's choice of family members to fill high-level advisory positions, normally reserved for people with more expertise or experience, is less common in the nation's capital, but not considered out of the ordinary in many local communities that swung to Trump. Time and again, Washington Democrats were outraged while Trump Democrats shrugged. In other words, Trump brought local attitudes and styles to the federal government. When you paint on a big canvas, you have to paint in a little bit softer colors. That's just the way it is. That's just the truth. If you want to win, if you want to win, Rush Limbaugh can talk like Rush Limbaugh. Sean Hannity can talk like Sean Hannity. Ben can talk like Ben, but they're not running for office. If you're running for office, you got to win. If you're running for federal office, you got to win on the big scale. And that's something that Republicans should now start to consider as we continue to tell the truth, but tell it in a different way. All right, right now the stock market is soaring, but you want to play it safe. You want to get gold. And you know how the price of gold has been skyrocketing lately? Well, there's a new way to buy gold through a company called Acre. Acre lets you subscribe to gold bars for as little as 30 bucks a month. You pay each month, and once your gold stash reaches the price of the gold bars, they discreetly ship Acre Gold to your house. Acre lets you invest in physical gold without coming out of pocket all at once. Acre keeps you updated on your gold stash every month and ships once you reach the price threshold. With Acre, taking physical delivery of your gold means it's safe and sound in your hands. So visit getacregold.com slash Clavin and start investing in physical gold today. Make sure you go to this URL because Acre is giving away a gold bar. Not to everyone, but to qualify for the giveaway, tweet or post why you should be the recipient and mention GetAcreGold.com. Again, that's GetAcreGold.com slash Clavin. You want to put that in there because AcreGold supports the show and we appreciate that. And you want to know how to spell Clavin. <laughs> that's not so easy, is it? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. We have the song back. Hooray. So, I got to talk about this big story. This is the story about Bill Barr, the AG. And, you know, some people are saying that I'm not covering this election fraud thing, which simply isn't true. I do cover it, but you're right. I don't cover it as much as other people because I know you don't want to hear what I have to say. Uh, you're the market. You are the market. You will get the show that you want. Now, listen, 
I'm a little odd about this. I'm a, a very uh, odd person in that I don't really want very much from the world anymore. I don't, you know, I'm not looking for anything. I've gotten a lot from the world and I found that it didn't do as much for me as other things like God and love and the truth. And those are the things that I kind of try to live into and creativity, things I love, uh, give me joy. And that's what I try to do. But you're the market. And so, you know, if people, if you find that somebody on the Daily Wire or anywhere else is not talking about this, it's probably because they don't want to tell you what you don't want to hear. And they know that if they tell you what you do want to hear, even when it turns out to be untrue, uh, what what will happen is you'll say, oh, well, the reason Trump couldn't prove this is because you didn't stand up for him and you abandoned him in his hour of need. And you'll go right back to the, you know, I'm not talking about you personally, obviously, since you're still here, you're still among the seven listeners remaining. Uh, you obviously don't feel that way, but a lot of people do. So Bill Barr who I have said repeatedly is the most honest person in the Trump administration. He is the best public servant they have. And he has proved himself again and again, not only by standing up to the media and just looking them dead in the eye and telling them what they didn't want to hear, like, for instance, that mail-in voting was going to be more susceptible to fraud than other kinds of voting. He told them that flat to their face, but he also stood up to Trump. He also told Trump, you were making my job difficult when, you know, you say something that's untrue and expect me to back you up. He has been a an actually great public servant. And I'll tell you something else that he did that was just terrific. But first, he has now said, he told the Associated Press that he has not found so far evidence of widespread voter fraud that could reverse Joe Biden's election victory. He has not found evidence of widespread voter fraud that would reverse Joe Biden's election victory. Here are things he didn't say that the press reported. He did say they said he said that the investigation was over. It's not over. He's still investigating any claims that come in that are plausible. Uh, he said, you know, that he has found some things that were uh, bad, but he says to date, we have not seen fraud on a scale that could have affected a different outcome in the election, quote, unquote. Uh, he said with, oh, so uh, Trump's legal team. Well, let me just finish what he said. He said there's been one one assertion that would be systemic fraud, and that would be the claim that machines were programmed essentially to skew the election results. We looked into that, and so far we haven't seen anything to substantiate uh, to substantiate that. So the Dominion uh, machines have not been found to be bad. Uh, some of these places where they've said, oh, they didn't check the signatures. They did in Georgia. They checked the signatures twice. Uh, the Trump legal team, Jenna and uh, and Giuliani, said, with all due respect to the attorney general, there hasn't been any semblance of a Department of Justice investigation. They said the Justice Department hadn't, to their knowledge, examined the evidence. Uh, they said they uncovered, including sworn witness testimony. Again, with the greatest respect to the attorney general, his opinion appears to be without any knowledge or investigation of the substantial irregularities and evidence of systemic fraud. Now, again, uh, I, I just want to point out that these charges have not been made in a court of law. And that's important. It's important that, that when the attorneys go into the court of law, they say, no, this is not fraud. Giuliani said that in court. He said it's not fraud. Just important. And, uh, and the other thing that's important is about Bill Barr. People's personalities don't suddenly miraculously change just because you disagree with them. And this is something that I hear on talk radio, on right-wing talk a lot. Suddenly Bill Barr is a coward. He's a sellout. He's a traitor. He's not. 
He's not. You know, I told my wife, if my, because I'm getting this too, you know, you're a coward and you're illogical and you're living on your knees. And I thought, suddenly, suddenly I'm doing all these things after a lifetime of not doing those, I'm suddenly doing that. I told my wife, if I'm going to have my entire identity changed, I want to be changed into a 16-year-old girl in the flush of first love on a spring day in 1817, because <laughs> I just want to really go for it. You know, just totally change my identity. Here's another story about Bill Barr, which tells you a lot about who he is. He has named John Durham a special counsel, and he did this two months ago. He did this in October, quietly, because he didn't want it to affect the election. Now, that's important because that means the Durham investigation into the Russian collusion hoax will go on unless the Biden administration takes extraordinary measures to stop it. You cannot fire uh, a special prosecutor without really due cause, and he can appeal that, and you really would, ha- you really would have to pull off an in-your-face cover-up. And yes, I know that the media would in- participate in that cover-up. They would cover up with the Biden administration, but still, I don't think they're going to get away with it. And Barr has made it very, very difficult for him to stop the Durham investigation. That is a very responsible thing to do. No, it's not going to end up with Comey and uh, Barack Obama in a perp perp walk. But if I were Peter Strzok, I'd be in Switzerland. (laughs) I would say that. They obviously have something. They obviously don't want it to go away. And just the proof coming out is going to be really important. Now, one of the reasons it's hard to take all this stuff, of course, is the press and the press lying to us all the time and then telling us that this is one of the reasons I don't want Trump to hand the press a victory. I don't want him to reestablish that they should have any credibility. He did such a great job of destroying their credibility over the four years of his administration to hand them a victory at the end of this thing would be a terrible, terrible setback for all of us, I think. But, you know, James O'Keefe, who is just, he, the guy is crazy. He is, he is absolutely great. I, I love Project Veritas. They're just like these uh, gadflies who do amazing stuff. He's been listening <laughs> to CNN's morning rundown calls when they set the budget for the day and what news they're going to cover. And he's been taping these calls. And CNN is furious. And they're saying, this is illegal. They didn't say anything about this when somebody was taping Melania's phone calls. Remember when they were running that on the air? So I got I just want you to hear some of the way they're covering this. Here is correspondent Jamie Rangel, uh, Rangel, maybe, uh, t- talking about how basically Democrats are setting the agenda of how they cover uh, Trump's claims that the election was stolen. This cut four. I just want to underscore something that Michael said earlier about the transition and Trump, because I've been talking to a lot of people this morning on both sides, and they, I just keep hearing the same thing, folks from Republicans who have not come out to congratulate Biden, but uh, but also to those who have in the Democrats. And that is that we have to be, you know, news organizations have to be very careful and very responsible about not giving Trump too much of a platform on his not conceding because they feel the transition can go forward. This is amazing. I want to follow this up with an even more amazing one. This is a a field producer, Stephanie Becker, uh, basically saying that, you know, a lack of good transition caused 9-11. And if we don't uh, basically censor Donald Trump's claims that the election was stolen, we will be complicit in what could be another attack on our country. It's cut five. On the issue of why it's important to get the transition going right, um, the 9-11 report talks about one of the problems was that this, the, 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 the trouble that was brewing 
got lost during the transition. So if you want a good concrete example of what happens when you don't have a good transition, go look at the Twin Towers. What's wonderful about this is, aside from the self-importance that they're going to help protect the Twin Towers and they're, what they do is going to affect, I mean, how many people are going to, the minute Trump leaves office, CNN is going to have a, an audience of six. So it, what's amazing about this is the thoroughgoing misunderstanding of what they do for a living, okay? They are news reporters, right? News reporters, the news right now is that the president of the United States is challenging the election full on. He is saying it was a hoax. He is saying that it was stolen. That's news, okay? I'm not reporting the news. I'm commentating on the things that are interesting to me and the things that I think of a big picture. They're reporting the news. Their job is to report what Trump says and report the people who disagree with him in equal measure. That's how you do that. And the people who come out with information that uh, contradicts Trump should be on the air just like Trump. They don't do that because they hate Trump and because they hate you. And that's and that's why they don't don't do it. They see their job as manipulating you to the good. This is true in the arts as well. Right. The arts are a way of conveying reality. I convey the world as it is. Once I start to say my job here is to convince you that there's a God or to convince you that you should be free or to convince you. that, Then my art starts to become preachy garbage. Right. If I'm telling a story, I can arrange a story such that I hope the story conveys those things. I can tell that kind of story. But not if I'm a news person. If I'm a news person, I'm governed by the facts. They don't know what they do for a living anymore because they think that there's something they're not. They think they are experts. They think they have the power to control reality and to control what you think. And that's why we're all so offended. And that's why we have taken on the responsibility of making reality for ourselves, which is just as dangerous. All right. It's the holiday season. A lot of traffic outside your house, a lot of deliveries. You want to be able to keep an eye on it. That's why you need ring security systems. You want to be able to talk to anybody if you're inside, if it's late at night, or even if you're far away on an app. That's what ring doorbells allow you to do. Ring has everything you need to keep an eye on your home this holiday season and throughout the year. You can see and speak to whoever is at your door from anywhere with video doorbells. You can keep an eye on every corner of your house with easy to install indoor and outdoor cams, and you can help protect your whole home with Ring Alarm, a powerful, affordable whole home security system you can easily install yourself. I told you last time about how one of our guys in Nashville uh, had the house nearby burned down. A ring security system on a nearby house recorded the people, uh, the arsonists who went into the house. It's good stuff. For a limited time, you can go to ring.com forward slash Clavin for special holiday offers. That's ring.com forward slash Clavin. If anyone comes to your house, you want to be able to ask them, how do you spell Clavin? And if they know the answer, call the police. That is not someone you should trust. All right. Now, the one thing at least we can say is we can trust the media to cover Joe Biden with the same intensity that they've been covering Trump. <laughs> All right. I just thought I'd see if I'd see if you were awake. I just wanted to see if you were paying attention. So so here let's let's go back to the, the uh, Project Veritas tapes of CNN. Here's Jeff Zucker talking about Donald Trump. Uh, cut six. I think we we cannot normalize what has happened here uh in the last week with Trump and his behavior. And I, I go back to what David said, David Chalian said, that this is a president who knows he's losing, who knows he's in trouble, uh, is sick, maybe is uh, on, on uh, the after effects of steroids or not, I don't know, but he is acting erratically and desperately. And we, we need to, uh, uh, 
Uh, we need to we need to not normalize that. So the, the head of CNN thinks that Trump is, you know, reacting to the medicine he took because he got the Chinese flu. He has no evidence of that, but he's going to tell his reporters to go out and cover Trump as if Trump were insane. Meanwhile, Joe Biden falls down and breaks his foot playing with his dog, right? Not just walking around because he's an old doddering man who's losing his mind. <laughs> that, no, that's not what happened. Here's Fredo reporting on a broken foot from Joe Biden. Cut 14. As someone covering the White House for a long time now, I took a lot of comfort in something pretty small, like the size of a pinky toe bone. When Biden hurt his foot, I appreciated it. Why? Because I'm a sadist. No, because we just got the straight truth about it. No lie, no deny, just he was out playing with his dog. He sprained his foot or broke some bone in his foot. He'll probably have to wear a walking boot for weeks. So why is that a big deal for me? Because there was no BS. There was no blocking us from the reason that Trump was rushed to a hospital. No Fugazi doctors with these absurd lauding statements about Biden being superhuman, the strongest pinky toe in history. Just the truth. Yeah, because b- b- Trump doesn't have Fredo who's all of them, the whole New York Times is Fredo, you know, he doesn't have them to say the things that Trump says about himself. Trump is his own press. And that's, you know, that's a problem. It is a problem for him running for re-election when he's been, you know, touting his own uh, achievements and talking about himself when people were dying of the Chinese flu. That was a problem. But it was a problem that he, it was a tragic problem that he couldn't avoid it because he doesn't have the press to support him. Every conservative knows this. Every Republican knows that he is swimming against this tide of stupidity and credentialed globalist nonsense that thinks it's, that thinks it's actually the truth. They actually think it's the truth. So now they're appointing these, um, the cabinet, the president-elect's proposed cabinet. And of course, I, yesterday I played that montage of just how they're superheroes. They're the oh my gosh! It's like it's as if you know the Xavier from the exec, from the X Men is bringing on the team of superheroes. You know, some amazing, amazing coverage. Here is Janet Yellen, who is you know she's a swamp creature. You know, she's not the worst of the swamp creatures, but she is what she is. You know, and she's been appointed a Treasury Secretary. It's cut ten. Out of our collective pain as a nation, we will find collective purpose to control the pandemic and build our economy back better than before, to rebuild our infrastructure and create better jobs, to invest in our workforce, to advance racial equity and make sure the economic recovery includes everyone, to address the climate crisis with American ingenuity and American jobs. That's what we need our Treasury Secretary to do is address the weather. Because if you don't have the Treasury Secretary looking up at the sky and shaking her fist at the sun and telling it, stop being so hot, damn it, you know, what, what is the Treasury Secretary doing? I'll tell you the good thing. I, you'll never hear me say this ever again. But, you know, I think that every time they form uh, a new federal agency, an, agent lo- an angel loses its wings and falls from heaven. I, I think they should never form new federal agencies. I think presidents should be judged on how many federal agencies they shut down. But before this, before the invention of Homeland Security, something I totally opposed, a lot of the law enforcement agencies fell under Treasury. So if this clown was talking about the climate, was controlling 
the custom service and the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives. That would be bad. But still, why is she talking about this? You know, small business, you know, this is really interesting. This is from the Media Research Center. Small business confidence fell to an all-time low after the Joe Biden was declared the winner. Uh, and they're just not covering this because they know that the high taxes are going to be bad for them, good for Jeff Bezos. They know that this policy that helps the poor doesn't help the poor. It only helps the rich. Basically, it's always about growing the government. And all they see is, oh, she's the first woman this and the first black this. This, this woman, um, what's her name, Nira Tandon, is now going to be the, from the Office of Management and Budget. This is a stone leftist who had to delete thousands of her tweets because she called Mitch McConnell Moscow Mitch. But now we're going to have unity. And here's her speech. And her speech is really effective, okay? She talks about how she came up in the world. And this is cut eight. I'm here today thanks to my mother's grit, but also thanks to a country that had faith in us, that invested in her humanity and in our dreams. I'm here today because of social programs, because of budgetary choices, because of a government that saw my mother's dignity and gave her a chance. Now it is my profound honor to help shape those budgets and programs to keep lifting Americans up, to pull families back from the brink, to give everybody the fair chance my mom got and that every single person deserves. That's a good speech, and it's a, a selling speech. And who doesn't want her mom to get a fair chance? And who isn't proud of a government that lifted her up and you know let, let this woman get to high office and all this stuff? But the problem is, that, see, here's the problem with this, with the logic of this, and this is what I mean about talking about harsh truths. We don't know how to help people who don't want to be helped. We know how to help people who do want to be helped. This is the thing. This is why charter schools are so important. When people fight to get their kids into charter schools, what the, what the teachers unions say is they say, well, you're taking away the best students. Yes, because we know how to help the students who want to be helped. What we don't know how to do is help the kids who don't want to be helped. And that's a, a real problem. And we don't know how to help people who don't want to be helped. And so the dole, these social programs, actually throw money into the mall a vast number of, of people who are then turned into dependents, who then don't do anything, who don't contribute to society. But now and again, the person who wants to be helped, the person who's going to use that money because they've fallen on, fallen on hard times, is going to use that money to bring people, bring her kids out of that poverty, that person will be helped. And that's a problem. That's a problem with shaping policy. That's why policy should be shaped on a small level, at local levels, and not on federal levels, because we do not know how to help people in uh, dysfunctional situations and dysfunctional neighborhoods. You know, this is what we're going to be sold. We're going to be sold uh, diversity, which is not diversity. Diversity is really just a screen, a mask for big government. It always is. It always was. And what they do is then when you attack the big government, they say that you're attacking diversity, that you're attacking her because she's a woman. You're attacking her because she's brown. And the people who get shafted again and again and again are black people. And the reason black people get shafted is because nobody wants to say, oh, the dysfunction is in the community. They have they don't get married. They're not getting educated. Nobody wants to say that. So instead, they pour money in to give a person a chance. And that one person who wants that chance will get it, but the rest of the community is simply being encouraged in that dysfunction and funded in that dysfunction. And when you tell that harsh truth, you get pilloried. 
We got to learn how to tell these harsh truths, but we got to learn to tell them so that people can accept them. That's the way it is. That's the way it is. That's what politics is. Politics is reality. It's what can be done. You know, every night while I'm lying awake, I think to myself, boy, this is a really comfortable Helix mattress. I'll bet other people on this mattress are sleeping like a baby, but at least while I'm lying awake, reading ghost stories that frighten me so that I'll continue to lie awake, at least I'm incredibly comfortable. The, what Helix Sleep does is they have a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete, and it matches your body type and sleep preference to the perfect mattress for you. It doesn't matter how you sleep or what you like, they will find that mat- mattress. Helix Sleep is rated the number one mattress by GQ and Wired. Just go to helixsleep.com slash Clavin. Take this two-minute sleep quiz, which is kind of fun, by the way, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life, or if you're like me, the best lying awake of your life, which is also good. Right now, Helix is offering up the $200 off all mattress orders at helixsleep.com slash Clavin. Up to $200 off at helixsleep.com slash Clavin. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, wow, $200, but how? Oh, how? Please tell me how. Do you spell Clavin? It's K L A V A N. I just make it look this easy. If you are not already a Daily Wire member, now is the time to join because we have got some amazingness stuff that's right around the corner. I know this because it's written right here. For instance, starting this Friday, December 4th, the Michael Knoll Show is going five days a week. If you subscribe, we will give it to you three days a week. We're at... <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> We're adding the entire Prager. At least I'm having fun. At least I'm having a good time. We're adding the entire PragerU catalog to dailywire.com by the end of the year. We've already up Uploaded all of PragerU's five-minute videos, the Candace Owens show from PragerU and Michael Knowles' book club. Early next year, Candace Owens is joining the Daily Wire here in Nashville, where she will be, I'm not in Nashville, but they are in Nashville, I should say, where she'll be launching a brand new Daily Wire show. We're launching our first feature film under Daily Wire's upcoming entertainment channel. Um, I'm talking with the God King about some great cultural uh, things we've got planned. We're building a new investigative journalism team. So go outside the narrative and come over to dailywire.com slash subscribe. We're loud, we're opinionated, and we're having a good time. I'm having a good time, obviously. And if you haven't ordered them yet, check out our Daily Wire Christmas ornaments. That's all of us, the Daily Wire host, plus the God King, Jeremy Boring, and you will get them. And it's really, what it is, is it's Shapiro, it's Walsh, it's Knowles, it's Jeremy, and it's E.T., because mine just looks like I come from outer space. (laughs) I don't, and, and by the way, they haven't sent these to me, but the, <laughs> so here's how you get them. You text Christmas to 83400 to get your tree decorated. They're going fast, so get yours now. If I haven't alienated yet, you yet, the mailbag is coming up. I'll get to you. Mailbag. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea how they did that, but I, I don't want to ask. I'm sorry. I don't want to hear what they what they did there. All right. Uh, from John, I'm a longtime watcher. I love your show. It's a great part of my day. You're missing the boat on this election fraud thing. Uh, I'm sure you're tired of hearing this and have made up your mind, which is not true, by the way. I haven't made up my mind. I have a completely open mind. I'm telling you exactly where I stand now. That is the thing I keep saying over and over again. I'm telling you what I see now. But the DW guys, uh, especially Ben, are equating knowledge of truth with what constitutes compelling evidence in a court of law. I agree with you guys when you say that Trump has not presented enough or any evidence in a court of law that will overturn this election. I'm resigned that Joe Biden will be president, but I'd like you to consider the idea that there's knowledge of truth that comes in many forms. And he lists then the forms. 
And, uh, you know, he says, I saw what I saw. Trump was winning in a landslide on election night, and then swing states stopped counting. Why? You know, uh, unfortunately, there is, there is a reason for this. I'll, I'll talk about this in just a second. But he says, do you believe that Biden and Kamala captured more votes than any, in any other election? Did you see the enthusiasm gap? People were not voting for Joe Biden. They were voting against Donald Trump. The guy was a very, very divisive president. People loved him and people hated him. And that the hate overcame it. You know, was that was that skewed by the press? A, a, a silly question that answers itself. He says, you keep saying the spikes are easily explainable. Really? Biden getting 98% of the votes from mail-in ballots with rejection rates 20 times lower than previous averages? All right. So let's talk about this. The, the, the so-called ballot dumps, all right, are in fact explicable. They are explicable by state law and by the fact that a lot of these votes were right in mail-in ballots because of the pandemic. Does that open up some somewhat more uh, opportunity for fraud? Yes, it does. But in most of these places, that the fraud has not been shown. It has not been shown to have had to have happened. So, for instance, let me I'll, I will read this to you. Um, Trump complained that Biden got a dump of 143,000 votes at 3.42 a.m. But in fact, right, this is when Milwaukee, this was in uh, Wisconsin. Well, this is when Milwaukee's central counting location finished with roughly 170,000 mail-in ballots. They broke heavily for Biden, but no more heavily than you would expect, all right? Biden won Milwaukee County 69% to 29%. Hillary Clinton won it. 65% to 29%. And in fact, the vote, the, the amount of the total vote that Milwaukee amounted to was actually less than before Trump lost in the suburbs. The same goes for Michigan. The overnight jump for Mr. Biden, uh, I'm reading this again, uh, appears to have come from Wayne County, which includes Detroit. Mr. Biden won there 68% to 30% compared with Mrs. Clinton's 67% to 29%, almost the exact same margin as a share of Michigan overall. Wayne County fell, okay, but Biden won the suburbs, and the suburbs were places where the machine really is not in place to do the kinds of things they were doing. When Bill Barr looks at the Dominion thing and says, I'm not seeing any evidence of widespread fraud or any kind of crazy stuff in there, I'm sorry, but you're losing, you know, you're losing the avenues where this level of fraud could have taken place. Listen, when Al Gore and Bush had a challenge, it was 500 votes different. They found 500 votes. They could have, they could have made that argument, but this is not. This is 20,000 in Wisconsin and 80,000 off, off the top of my head, 80,000 in Pennsylvania. The, the margins here are very big. So when people say, yeah, there's fraud, there may even have been more fraud than usual. We're not seeing proof of this. And what you're saying is there's there's evidence of this. There's all this stuff that I see with my own eyes. I, unfortunately, it's not the same thing. And here, here's the other part of this, okay? If you can't prove it, this is a legal matter. This is a legal matter that we're dealing with. If you can't prove it, then if you what you care about is the country. If you can't prove it and what you care about is the country, you've got to move on to the fight that will save the country, which is in Georgia. Donald Trump is tweeting things like, why would anybody vote in Georgia? The, the victory we already won. Why, why vote? In what do you think the Democrats are doing? The Democrats are pouring everything they've got into Georgia, all their energy into Georgia, all their attention into Georgia. What are we paying attention to? We're paying attention to Trump because Trump takes all the energy and the air out of the room. You know, 
I can't, what I care about is the country. What I care about is the country. If you can't prove it, stop. If you can't prove it, stop. And by the way, this does not mean that down the road we shouldn't be looking at the, the election things that were put in place. The Democrats went and they sued places to get special uh, COVID you know, pandemic rules that definitely made fraud easier, made fraud more likely. We should make sure that we have a shutdown on that. We should make sure we look at that and reform it and make sure we do a study of how much uh, you know, fraud there actually was. All of that should happen. But this is a political, realistic, legal matter. If you're not going to win, go on to the next fight and do the reform later when there's time and you, we don't need all our attention to be in Georgia. You know, the electorate grew by about 17 million people. And the turnout was historic. And so there are things where, you know, people are saying, well, Ohio went red and usually Ohio is a bellwether. Well, you know, sometimes it's not a bellwether. Ohio has been turning red. And so when, when the red people, when, when conservatives, when Republicans win, Ohio's a bellwether. When they lose, it's not. People rejected Donald Trump and they rejected him because he was chaotic, because he was noisy, because he was pugilistic. All the things that got great things done they rejected him for it. As I was telling you, for four years might well happen. I told you this might well happen. I think it has happened. And I, I, I just think the evidence is what the evidence is. You know, no, you can't just say, well, I saw it with my own eyes. You're watching TV. You know, <laughs> you're, not, you're not. And, you know, let me, let me make one more point about, uh, about Jenna. This is another letter from Joshua uh, saying, uh, why are Jenna wasting at all, wasting all of our time creating a false hope if there isn't, in fact, significant proof of fraud and they aren't even arguing there is? I think as anyone who has watched me interview Jenna can tell, I I'm, like Jenna very much. I respect her very highly. I understand what a bright uh, person she is. She is a lawyer working for a client. I have dealt with lawyers. I, I used to cover courts as a reporter. I've known many, many lawyers. They, uh, the good lawyers are like pit bulls. When you, they fight for their client, they fight loyally, they fight with everything they've got. I know lawyers. I, I actually know a lawyer, perfectly nice guy. I'd let him babysit my kids when they were kids. He defended an ax murderer who went out and killed again because that was his job. That was his role. A court is kind of like a theater. You have a role that you play. Jenna is doing exactly what she was hired to do. This is her job. I, do, does she believe what she's saying? Yeah, she probably does. I mean, it may, I'm sure Trump believes it, uh, but she is doing her job. She is not doing anything wrong. That's not my job. My job is not to say whatever Trump thinks is right uh, and, and fight the fight and, you know, do whatever uh, he thinks should be and say whatever he thinks should be reality. My job is to tell you what I see. This is what I'm seeing in front of me. It's it's so different than what Trump is saying, and from what I I do believe Trump believes that it's it's hard. It's hard for me. It's hard for the audience. Hard for everybody. I, but what what else can I do? And believe me, in a moment, in a flash, I will change my mind when the evidence changes. I will. I'm not at all sloughing this off. I'm not at all ignoring it. I'm following up most of the big charges, trying to see what they where they come from. They sound like this is what I see so far. Here is a question on another subject from Sean. Can you be a Christian without be believing in the literal resurrection of Christ? 
Uh, I'm what I believe most would define as an atheist or agnostic because I can't wrap my head around the metaphysical aspects of the Bible. Are those lessons supposedly to be interpreted literally or metaphorically? I feel like anytime I try to ask this question to an intelligent and thoughtful believer, getting a straight answer is harder than getting a straight answer from Joe Biden about his plans to pack the Supreme Court. Well, I will give you a Supreme uh, a straight answer. Uh, yes, you have to believe in the resurrection and at least you don't have to believe in every single miracle if you don't want, but you have to believe in the miracles because Jesus said, Tell them, if they want to know who I am, tell them about what I did. That He has said, these are the proofs. If you don't believe what I'm saying, look at what I've done. The lame walk, the blind see. So you have to believe in that. And certainly you have to believe in the resurrection, which is the prime miracle. Now, let me tell you this. With the exception of the resurrection, which I just believe in quite easily, I don't have a lot of doubts because I didn't become a Christian until I was uh, 49. And all that time I was thinking about metaphysical questions and asking myself metaphysical questions. So I kind of covered, I went down all the wrong roads uh, and I found the ends of a lot of them. I'm very thorough about this stuff. And so by now I kind of have already asked myself a lot of the questions and I don't, uh, I don't worry too much about the doubts. It's not that I never have doubts. You have to have doubts because they expand your faith. They deepen your faith. However, when I have doubts, they're about the miracles. That's the thing that always gets to me uh, because that's not the way wor the world works. We all know this. If it were the way the world works, if anybody could heal the blind and raise the dead and make the uh, lame walk, then Jesus wouldn't be who he said he is. I mean, he did something that doesn't happen any other time. And that's hard to believe, right? It's hard to believe. You know, there aren't that many miracles in the rest of the Bible. I, I, I don't know this for sure, but I, I would say about 100 miracles over the course of thousands of years, thousands and thousands of years. Most of those miracles are focused on the Exodus. So there aren't a lot of miracles in the Bible. When Jesus shows up, there are a lot of miracles. He heals everybody. He goes everywhere he goes, he heals everybody. And you have to believe that that was what's happening. So here's a mind experiment, all right? Here's why I don't believe that the exceptional nature of these miracles is proof against them. Normally, if, if, you, say, if you come to me, I know people who, I, I knew a, a woman who dated a healer and she said, oh, he, I saw him you know, make a short man's leg the right size. And I said to her, no, you didn't. You didn't see that because that doesn't happen. That's why it didn't happen. And the guy, in fact, was later exposed as a fraud. Almost all faith healers are, if they get famous enough, are exposed as frauds because that stuff doesn't happen. It did happen when Jesus came because Jesus was Jesus, all right? So let me give you this thought experiment to see what it is you don't believe in. Do you not believe, do you believe that it's not at all possible that anyone could, commit, uh, could perform a miracle? Uh, and I would say no. Let's say that you were walking, uh, that, let, let's say you heard that somebody was walking along and tripped over something, they dug it up, and it was a spaceship, like in Stephen King's Tommyknockers. They found the spaceship, the scientists go in and say, yeah, this is a spaceship from another galaxy. It came from another galaxy. It landed here about 2,000 years ago, here in the Middle East. It landed 2,000 years ago, and they go into the spaceship, and they open it up, and they find a piece of metal that is a kind of metal that doesn't exist on Earth. And they say, yeah, this is intergalactic stuff, and it's got writing on it, and we can interpret the writing using our computers and we can find out what it means. And they translate it and it says, you know, I, you know, Ektok 12 or whatever from another planet uh, was here briefly. I've returned to my own planet by a teleportation. Uh, but while I was here, I was known as Jesus of Nazareth. All right. You go like, oh, so he was from another planet. And he was a, from a superior race that could build a spaceship that we can't build that traveled across the galaxy. Now, would you believe in the miracles? And I would say, yes, you would. If that happened, yes, you would. 
Everything in our instincts, everything in our imaginations, everything tells us that the human mind or the mind, once expanded to a certain degree of power, can affect reality. When we depict people who are incredibly enlightened, the Jedi in Star Wars or Doctor Strange or, you know, anytime, anytime we show people as being incredibly enlightened mentally, they can move objects with their mind. They can affect reality. We know this will one day happen. We, we just suspect it, but it's already, we already see signs of it. And the fact that the human mind can affect the position of light particles and the fact that we can control computers with our heads and, and all this stuff. We, we are beginning to see some of this happening. That's what I think these miracles are. I think we are dealing with an extraordinary person. What we do, it's not that we don't believe in the miracles. It's that we don't believe in God. We don't believe in the immaterial. We believe that everything is material because that is the way life appears to us. And that's, that's what I, how, where I come down on this. We do have to believe on them. Are they metaphorical? Yes. Everything Jesus does is metaphorical. All prophets in the Old Testament act metaphorically. One of them married a, a prophet, Hosea, married a prostitute uh, to show that Israel had gone astray. He actually married a prostitute and was loyal to her to show how God treats Israel even when he goes astray. The prophets act out their truths, and Jesus did that too, but he did it through supernatural means. It doesn't happen every day. It didn't happen again. It doesn't mean some guy coming down the pike saying, I believe in Jesus, therefore I can heal you, can heal you. No, it means the opposite of that. It means this was an extraordinary moment. That is my what I believe. That's as honest an answer and direct an answer as I can give you. Boy, there's some other great questions here. We'll get to them next week. We'll, we'll save some of these and come back to them, but I got to stop there. Uh, whoever is left listening... <laughs> I'm glad you're sticking, sticking with me. At least, look, at least the laughs are here. You got to admit that. We will be back again tomorrow. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review. And also tell your friends to subscribe, too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knoll Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Edited by Adam Saivitz and Danny D'Amico. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, or head and makeup, is by Nika Geneva. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. Leftists admit their double standards. A lesbian actress becomes a straight white male. And Ted Cruz calls for an emergency election appeal to the Supreme Court. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate.